Welcome to the Ag Emerge podcast brought to you by Ag Solutions Network. We're here to move the ag paradigm forward by helping you regenerate your soils using new ideas, research, and emerging technologies. Get ready to improve your soil, your crops, your livestock, and your family's livelihood. I'm Kim Sheese. And I'm Monty Bottens. And we're your hosts. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for tuning in. Zara Khan joins us today on the Ag Emerge podcast. Zara is the Director of Business Development at Planet. Planet has developed the largest constellation of Earth imaging satellites, which delivers an unprecedented data set of empirical information via a revolutionary cloud-based platform to decision makers in business, government, and humanitarian sectors. Zara focuses on identifying commercial opportunities and managing strategic partnerships to support Planet's agricultural portfolio. She talks about how Planet customers and users across the globe use Planet's data and machine learning-powered analytics to develop new technologies, drive revenues, power research, and solve our world's toughest challenges. Well, welcome, Zara. It's great to have you on the podcast today. I had the pleasure of meeting you at our Ag Emerge event uh, this past January in Monterey, and I loved seeing the excitement from our attendees following the Planet presentation. But before I get ahead of myself, we always like to learn about our guests. So could you start us off today by telling us a little bit of your story? Thank you. Thank you, Kim, and thank you, Monty. Um, First of all, I'm really excited to be here on the podcast After attending the conference, I was just really, really inspired by the types of questions and the types of individuals that we got to meet. So uh, a bit about myself, my background is actually not uh, directly in agriculture, but I spent childhood summers growing up on a farm in rural Pakistan. So it was very, very exciting for me to see my career turn and bring me back to kind of the roots if we want to say. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, what has been exciting for me is that I've had experience to the ag industry across various different uh, parts of the value chain. So I started off my career in finance, and I was working in emerging markets, specifically sub-Saharan Africa, working with companies that were seeking investment to grow their operations. And that involves everything from working with traders to working with processors and even nonprofits that were trying to reach smallholder farmers. And that work gave me a, a great foundation to see a side of agriculture that maybe people who are working in traditional agriculture wouldn't necessarily have exposure to. Yes. And I came back to the Bay Area to uh, study at Berkeley, and I, I went to grad school. And I, I came across Planet, and I was very excited about the opportunity to help a technology really transform an industry that I'd seen in so many different forms. Mm-hmm. So my excitement in agriculture here is that what we're building is applicable for smallholders, for large commercial farms, for governments, for nonprofits. It's it's a, a technology that, that can be really, really transformative in the right hands. Absolutely. I love that. And isn't it exciting how your all of your experiences have just really built to to be something that is so valuable there uh, where you are currently at in Planet. It, it's fortunate. I think if you look back, it doesn't, it looks very planned, but life is never as you <laughs> plan it. But um, when I, when I talk to my family about it, I mean, they're really excited because they can go on for hours about my grandfather and, you know, importing some of the cutting edge technology and equipment and tractors and things that they weren't available in Pakistan in the 50s, 60s, where, where he was really building out a commercial farm and my ancestors that did, you know, village farming. Uh, it's it's just something that's really core to who I am. And it's ironic that I get to work in the industry now. So I'm very excited to be back, back at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Zara, I appreciate the opportunity for you to join us today and also for, for coming to the conference. Um, it was, it was great to see your interaction. And, and what I loved is how many of the farmers who, who came up to the table with you and Eric and, and just were really exchanging ideas, not just asking about what you do, but, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? And I I thought that was kind of interesting. We'll talk about maybe some of that follow-up here a little bit later on. But before we get our cart too far ahead of our horse, uh, tell us, what does Planet do, okay, for for those who weren't able to be at the conference? uh, What do you do, and and what is the whole whole basis of, of who Planet is and what you're all about? 
at a high level, Planet is building and operating Earth imaging satellites. So when you think of satellites, there's many different types. The type that Planet focuses on are called optical imagery satellites. So we're taking images of the entire Earth landmass, and we're selling that imagery to analytics companies and ag tech companies that are serving farmers. So we rely on these startups and big corporates that are building these solutions, taking in multiple different sources of data and serving that using their in-depth expertise to farmers. And you think about the types of things you'd need to take into account, weather, topography, soil moisture. They're, they're helping the farmers improve their productivity, profitability, and sustainability. So that's how Planet is reaching agriculture. Um, what really sets us apart is that we have this large distributed constellation. So there's hundreds of satellites up in space that we're managing. And we use those satellites to help bring down the data and for the first time, we're able to capture near daily images at field level resolution for nearly everywhere on Earth. And that's what's been really, really exciting is, is to capture that near daily change for our customers that make these very advanced solutions. Yeah, I think that's one thing that people forget about in imagery is it's not just today's image that is important. It's benchmarking those images one against another so that you can model and, and identify changes over time. And uh, that's something we tried to do years ago with drones and then with fixed-wing aircraft. And it's just so cost-prohibitive to be over every field every day or even every field once a week. Uh, and it's very hard to get quality imagery from those various uh, heights. So what you're doing is, is what we wanted to do, and you figured it out. So that's awesome. But uh, um, so, so talk about that. Why is it important to, to be able to see... Uh, for either ag or other applications that you're working with. But what, what does that enable you to do when you're able to do basically the entire planet every day? You, you brought up a good point about the cost of monitoring everywhere. And what's great about satellites is just in general, the, the way that they're built is to be able to absorb this cost and capture imagery where majority of what we're capturing is actually there's no event taking place. You're just getting images of nothing. It's the same thing from yesterday, the same thing today. And you, if you think about the change that you're measuring, it's really that time series that brings the value. So that archive you talked about is where we're able to extract value over time. And that economical way of capturing everything, that when something does happen that you didn't expect it, you, you manage to have that image on hand that you didn't even know you needed. So in agriculture, you can think about it, um, an event like hail or you know flooding or something that you didn't expect to happen. There's those drastic events but then there's also maybe you want to, like you said, benchmark against last year. Maybe you have some ground measurements and you can work with an ag tech company that's building some advanced analytics to look at, you know, the ground measurement versus what's in space and build some advanced vegetation indices. There's all this exciting stuff that you can unlock by having the data that you didn't even know you needed. That's kind of how we see our company coming in. And there has been satellite imagery for decades. The big difference is now we're getting it, getting it at an in-season frequency that was not possible before. So, you know, you could have gotten an image once every other week before. Now you're getting it nearly every day, and you can look at that high frequency to really unlock things like machine learning and, and advanced um, algorithms that weren't possible before. So You asked about other industries, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, when we think about other industries that are leveraging satellite imagery, you you really want to focus on where the frequency comes into play and, and that high resolution. So you can think of everything like natural disasters, you know, earthquakes, floods, hurricanes, that type of thing, where you don't really know, you, you have a general sense of where you need to look, but until it happens, you don't quite know what you need to capture. And the other place we're seeing it is we see a lot of um, interest in government. So government is often involved in enforcing permits. And there might be large areas of land where they have leases that they um, are monitoring to ensure that people are in compliance with the rights that they're providing these um, individuals. So we've seen civil government really benefit from enforcing the permits that are out there because they're able to ensure that construction or, or development is taking place uh, in an environmentally sustainable way. That's one big one. Defense is also a big one traditionally for satellites. So you see things like monitoring different ports or ensuring that, you know, border protection is upheld. And these are really exciting use cases that 
have traditionally satellite has traditionally been used for, but with planet, the high high frequency is really where we see that value coming in. And as that relates to soil health, I think there's some exciting things where we can tell, you know, what is the change in residue cover over time? What is the change of the crop canopy over time? What is the change of the uh, water use efficiency and, and all those kind of things uh, that we can see on not only a field level scale, but also on a uh, macro scale too, to see how are we doing? Cause all of those things will lead to, you know, carbon capture and soil health improvement and those kind of things that I know, um, where do you see some of the information that you're gathering today going uh, within that soil health arena? I know, gosh, you have to wear so many hats with so many different industries that you serve. Uh, so now I'm not asking for a, a, a subsection of an industry within agriculture. Um, what on your plate or, you know, in your vision of what you can do, where do you see it, uh, planet and imagery contributing to soil health uh, quantification and management? One thing right now that Planet's able to offer that's really valuable is this data set of empirical information. And we're delivering it in a cloud-based solution. So you're getting this data over broad areas. And, and the fact that you can use it to measure things that before weren't measured, I see that's the real application towards specifically soil health. And what you talked about, about providing farmers alternative income through things like carbon sequestration, Someone needs to measure that and someone needs to validate that. And if satellite imagery, whether from Planet or other data sources could be used, that would provide a way for the market to really develop. We see that there's more and more companies wanting to invest in making their business you know, carbon neutral. We're seeing it from airlines, we're seeing it from um, you know, consumer goods companies. And when they make that investment, they want some sort of validation. They want some measurement, some metric. And if we could use cost-efficient methods to ensure that what they're essentially wanting to offset is actually being practiced in the field, that, that would be really valuable. Right now, a lot of validation is done with you know, in-field visits, and that's important too, but it, it's not necessarily scalable and economical to do that at scale, uh, in large areas. Sure, sure. And so one of the things I thought was really interesting when I, when I first met you, Zara, I think we, we first met at the World Agritech um, conference last year in San Francisco, you, you hosted a uh, uh, after-hours uh, reception, and, you know, like any good conference attendee, you know, when there's a reception and there's free free snacks, right, uh, we, we show up and see how you guys work. You, you suckered us in, and uh, <laughs> we, we went ahead, and uh, I was there, and, I, you know, I'd heard of you guys, I'd been following you, but when you just physically see the satellite, I, I just think that's, I'm, I'm sorry to geek out on it, and it's old news for you, but you see something that's roughly, what is it, eight inches uh, square by maybe two foot long, and that's the satellite. Uh, and, you know, when it's, when it's launched and then the solar panels fold out and, and makes it a larger profile. But the, the, really the secret to your sauce was building this small form factor very economically that could hitch a ride. And I enjoyed talking with the, you know, the satellite geeks. They, they, were, they were totally geeking out telling me all this stuff, which is good. That's what they're supposed to do. Uh, they were telling me all these things about, hey, we can fit 20 of them on board this launch and we can stick another 50 on board another launch and kind of share a ride and get into space for free. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what a what a brilliant idea. Mm -hmm. um, you know, isn't isn't that really one of the, one of your secrets to yours, um, the part of your secret sauce there and, and what makes Planet so cost effective and, and the ability to, to cover such a large area? Yeah, what you're talking about is what we call here at Planet agile aerospace it's really the the innovation that we were that we're most excited about and our role in pioneering that concept is what has really set us apart so our founders came from nasa and if you talk about geeking out we can go on for days yeah, about satellite this. geeks I mean, right there yes <laughs> <laughs> they came from nasa and they took this concept um, that you have in silicon valley of iterative design and they applied that to aerospace now that Traditionally, aerospace has taken multiple years and, you know, millions of dollars to develop a single satellite. They took this idea of, you know, really innovating and, and iterating and updating for the newest technology and building these highly capable satellites at a lower cost than what a large satellite would require. And 
what what's very exciting is we've with that technology been able to deploy hundreds. I mean, we've launched over three hundred. We have over a hundred in orbit. There's just you know so many covering the Earth that it allowed us to get that frequency at a higher resolution than before was possible. So in the six years that we've been launching these satellites, it might be up to seven now. We're in 2020. I'm I'm getting my math wrong, but you know we're we're orbiting the Earth and covering all different areas of the Earth's landmass, and we're launching off of different rockets. So other than the launch itself, we we control the entire process. It's integrated. But the launch, you'll see us launch out of Cape Canaveral, Vandenberg, even other countries like New Zealand and India. And what we've done with this data set is taken an industry that was before only privy to government and allowed it to be applicable to all different forms of all different parts of society that before did not have access. So large enterprises, um, nonprofit, humanitarian organizations now have access because we're able to make so much more data than before was available with these really compact CubeSats. Mm -hmm. So what's exciting is with all of this data, we're also now looking at what next. You need a way to sift through the data. So we're now starting to develop analytics on top that can allow you to do things like change detection. So you don't have to go through every single image. You can just be alerted when something has changed. And, and doing this at a scale that before was not possible. Again, everything integrated using the cloud and using computational power that, I mean, five, six years ago just didn't exist, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. So as the industry is advancing, as, like you said, the whole ecosystem is developing, um, leveraging new technology from multitudes of different sectors, we're, we're starting to see our impact grow. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to controlling the whole process from, the build from building the satellites in our downtown office um, launching off of partners, but then managing the fleet, downlinking, we own the ground stations and then storing in the cloud. That whole process is something we're controlling and, and updating all the time. Yeah. And just, um, I can't imagine how much data you are capturing a day. That would uh, be mind boggling to think that, you know, like you said, you've got hundreds orbiting and, and capturing streaming all the time. So, yeah, you've got this huge, huge library, right, uh, for several years, like you said, Zara. And now, how in the world do we search through all that? And finally, like you said, processing speeds up to the where we can look back and try to uh, use certain algorithms and machine learning types of things in order to uh, determine, you know, come up with the formulas of, of trying to find the information you're looking for. Um, just, I mean, it, it's probably point, proprietary. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go on. <laughs> I was about to say, we've collected a, in that archive, there's over a thousand images of every spot on Earth already, hmm. and terabytes and terabytes coming down. And really, the value of if you are building a company and you're expanding to a new region, you already have that data set of that region. You don't have to start from scratch. And using that rich archive and then complementing it with other data sources like weather or drone or even your own scouting efforts. That's where we're excited to, to add value to the industry. So especially like a new farmer uh, or a farmer taking over a new field, wasn't familiar with it before, here they can they can go to someone who is a partner with you uh, and can query that data and get a good idea of, of what the um, uh, productivity of that field is or where the problem spots are in that field. So in year one isn't um, a learning year. Year one is a productive year, correct? Exactly. It's, it's valuable for people who are maybe renting new land or even acquiring new land. What should be the value of the land? We've also seen an increase and in uptick in um, interest from lending agencies. So getting loans for a certain field, being able to look at what was the productivity over the past few years where maybe you weren't the owner or you weren't the tenant. So that's what's been exciting is, is using that information to bring value to the farmers who otherwise, like you said, were starting with a blank slate. Or you can take your field subset to that banker and say, hey, look at how good my fields are compared to my neighbors, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, which could, <laughs> or, or the other way around, the bank's spying on you to see what you're messing up. Uh, so <laughs> it, can, it can go either way. So talk about that as far as, uh, you know, let's say I want to look at my neighbor's field and see what's going on and, you know, you know just general reconnaissance and those kind of things. Boy, what kind of issues do you run into there? How do you manage that? What does that mean? I mean, there's a lot of unanswered questions as we as we move into the future here. 
And it's something Planet is dealing with, but also other companies. I mean, there's nothing stopping you from flying a drone over your neighbor's field, too. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a bigger question, and we've seen more and more trust and privacy are coming to the forefront. It's particularly important when it's not just the imagery, because an imagery is one piece of the pie. I mean, you can determine some information, but you need a lot more data to really unlock big value. But what happens when somebody who might be taking in planet data and other data sources and maybe some proprietary data, what, what are the rules around them sharing that data? And how do we really work with um, the end users, the farmers, to make sure they're, they're comfortable? Some platforms are actually making a transparent way to sell that data. You know, a farmer could get a cut of it. Um, he or she might have information that would be helpful to the local um, county or the local state to ensure that they have the correct outputs that they want for a certain season or a certain crop. I mean, there's, there is economic value. And the key thing is making sure the people whose information is being used are getting compensated. And we're seeing this across so many different industries. But, but it's particularly important for agriculture, for our customers who use planet imagery to really be thoughtful. And in the end, if they aren't thoughtful, the, the market will react and they did react lately. Um, yeah, <laughs> recently, this a couple of weeks ago, exactly. Yeah, so I, I can say this, so you don't get in trouble. But uh, so I am a FieldView uh, customer, and I also have a Tillable account. And uh, I found it interesting on a Friday afternoon. I got this very abrupt broadcast email uh, dispersed from FieldView about they had terminated their their relationship with Tillable because uh, we had a little bit of extra too much data sharing going on. And uh, I think that was discovered and in a matter of a week's time or so. I'll have to verify these these numbers for sure. But within a week's time, I think FieldView lost 20% of its subscriptions because it became known that they were sharing way too much un-whitewashed un, uh, data uh, with Tillable. So, you know, large farmers could go on Tillable, see what the previous farmer had yielded and go in and outbid him or, or those kind of things. So boy, data privacy and, and what you're doing with it is, is critical because, you know, one mistake can really hurt your reputation, can it? And, uh, so I think talk a little bit, you're quite, I think there's a little bit of a difference though, in what planet's doing compared to like what field is doing or, or others in the, in the, in the, uh, ecosystem of data you're acquiring right and and you're helping partners learn how to utilize the imagery but it's up to really the partners to make the uh, recommendation the suggestion or or extrapolate the value out of the data that you're collecting so you're you're just a collection more of a collection point is that a fair way to say that Zara yeah I well one thing at planet is we're pretty humble about what we can and cannot do so bring aerospace we we got it we have you know hundreds of engineers that are working on really advancing the industry in agriculture we are focused on unlocking our partners and customers businesses so we're a data source and we're our, our focus is to provide them the best imagery and analytics that they need to drive their own platforms but we are not the ones with the boots on the ground we are not the ones with you know the long-term relationships with the different communities that would be using the data and that's very important to highlight because what we do is we provide one data source that gets mixed with many other data sources and, and brings value. And what that requires from us is that we're very thoughtful about which companies we partner with to, to bring this value to the market. So it does require a certain level of expertise to make sense of all this information. Mm -hmm. And that, that's really where we're looking now is who are the latest innovators in agriculture? Who has the best reputation and the best relationship with farmers, with you know, communities with different organizations and, and how do we support them to grow and really expand and, and bring their solutions, maybe not just to where they are today, but also globally grow because our data set is global. Just because they're in one state or region now doesn't mean they can't grow with us. So that's been our focus. And again, we're, we're unlocking this channel, but we, we need more. It's, it's almost like the, the need is there and the data is there. We need people to do the tough work, which is to make the, the insights out of it. Well, we would certainly like to help you with that, see? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, we, uh, I think it's, like you said, the more you, the more you know, the more you don't know. And the more you need more interpretation of, of data that you already have that you just didn't know had an application. And uh, it's, a, it's kind of a never-ending never ending circle. Um, but it, it's exciting to see what the possibilities are of, of those things all coming together because... 
you know, like you said, you're you're one one part of the solution, and and, and I agree um, that it's it's def, but it's a critical part, right? Because we up to up to really recently, we haven't been able to get good quality, uh, real time or or near near real time imagery acquisition at a reasonable cost, and I, I think that's the that's that's the real secret sauce that makes this all possible. Is because as a as a farmer, I want to know what's wrong today so I can do something tomorrow. And like you said, on the seven and ten day blurry images that aren't aren't ortho rectified, that'll drive you nuts. And, and you don't even bother looking at it until after season to figure out, oh yeah, that's why that happened, and you can't do anything about it. So, I think uh, you know within season changes or, or adaptations that that you can do as a result of the data stream that you're getting is far superior to something that we've any other provider that we've found so far. And it's pretty exciting to see what you're up to. A point on your comment that the farmers often know, I mean, they know their fields in and out. And what our data is able to do is provide that, you know, documented validation that this issue that they've had for years, now they can show it to their lender or to their, you know, input provider or their agronomist. And there's a way to document what they already know. I don't think anything that we're showing is necessarily a big surprise unless it's a one-off catastrophe. But it, it helps people understand the story. And where we've seen a lot of excitement is even things like variable rate application. You know, people are able to save 50, 70% on their inputs by just putting them where they're needed. And they might have already been doing that, but it gives extra confidence to make these measures that otherwise people might have been overlooking. So I think one thing is that we we know that what we're doing is maybe not necessarily showing for the first time, but maybe more validating what farmers already knew and providing evidence that they need to go and get better rates or better advisory services that they're already getting. And the second thing that you said, um, which really resonates, is the idea of being economical. What we're seeing more and more is that the partners that we provide the imagery to are coming up with even more innovative models than were available before. So something like outcomes-based pricing. I mean, this is new, this is brand new, and we're really excited to see the market go here because in the end, we need to risk share. All the input providers, whether you're a satellite imagery provider or a weather provider or you know, providing the actual insight itself, we're all behind the farmer making more. And that's where our you know, we're part of that share of wallet. We need to make sure that he or she is earning on, on this advice that's coming out of our inputs. Mm-hmm. And the outcomes-based pricing, is, it's a new development that I'm excited to see where it goes because that's really where, in the end, it will make sense to use all this information. I'm just uh, envisioning all of the layers of things that could be layered on top of that imagery so that, you know, when when you have inputs from other information, you mentioned variable rate. So you're looking at your satellite images, you know from your records what days applications happen. I mean, I can just imagine all of the different, uh, as I said, layers that you could start putting together. So you're not just looking at an isolated picture of the field, but now you're starting to layer data of things that were going on each day uh, in comparison to those images. And I just think that would be so powerful. Exactly. I think the most important ones we keep hearing, you know, understanding the soil, understanding the weather, the imagery to validate and to help with scouting, these core components. And one of the hardest layers to capture is the management practices. You know, what was done on the field? You know, you can measure weather and soil and other things with sensors, but Oftentimes, the management practices are really, really important to take into account. And unless the farmer is incentivized to put his or her practices through their equipment or through their records, it's a big question mark that really drives these outputs and these algorithms. And so it's very important to have all the layers. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of variables that come into account. And it's, I think the key is just picking the top few. And what's really challenging, again, Planet is reliant on these ag tech companies and and corporates to take our imagery and make sense out of it, but it's different for every crop. It's different for varieties within the same crop. It's different for different regions. And so it's really, it's it's very, very complicated. And and we're we're seeing that you can't just go with one company and tackle tackle the globe. You need, you know, thousands of different partners to really make niche and um, custom solutions. So 
you know, what, that was one of the things we I wanted to visit with you a little bit about is what are the obstacles, you know, uh, for customers to take full advantage of what you're doing. You you alluded to some of them there. What what are what are additional obstacles that you see for, you know, farmers or other Planet customers to take full advantage of of what you're doing? The biggest obstacle I would say for any new technology is trust, and it's extremely important that the partners that we go to market with have the trust of their end users and that the information that they're providing is validated and vetted and that there's a a trust that what information they provide is correct. And we've seen this with even some of our um, most, you know, trusted partners that have been working for over 50 years in New Zealand with dairy farmers they were a genetics input provider, and they have this longstanding relationship. I think something like more than 90% of New Zealand farmers are working with this um, cooperative. The cooperative started making a solution using satellite imagery, and it still took two or three growing seasons to really ensure that the end users, the farmers, were relying solely on the satellite imagery. They would look at the imagery and then go out there and, and you know, do their own inspections or do their own scouting or because they you almost can't believe what it's telling you 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 don't you've put so much money in the ground you've made this huge investment and for someone to say no 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 you don't need to go out there we'll tell you what's going on it's it's a huge leap of faith and i think that trust is the biggest biggest obstacle for any new technology that's trying to disrupt a segment mhm yeah, and you know one of the things we you know when they're look when farmers are looking at imagery kind of the first first thing they ask is Okay, so what what bands do you get me in, and what is your resolution, and and those kind of things, and I, I think isn't that more just trying to trying to ask questions that I I think I need to know the answers to these, but I don't know if that really instills the trust, but uh, you know, looking for for those answers, how how do you how do you help uh, people turn from those kind of those basic things and answer it in a way that, okay, here's why you can trust what we're doing. It's really important. Yeah. We get stuck talking about features or we could go on talking about, you know, how many satellites are in space and that stuff is fun to talk about. But in the end, the real, real outcome is, are we offering you something that saves you time and money and hopefully even makes you more money? That, that, that's the ultimate measure. You know, we could give you all the data in the world, but if it takes you hours to look through it, maybe you don't want this. Maybe you have other ways to spend your time. And, and that's the ultimate win for Planet would be when it becomes easy to use and it has value, either saving costs or even making more money. Yeah, that, that was uh, the whole purpose of what we were trying to do is create actionable intelligence because there's so much data out there we already get that we just really don't care because it's nothing we can do anything with. You know, tell me I need to look at this spot. You know, that's a problem. And, uh, or this, this is the problem at that spot. And then we can do something with it, you know. And I think that's uh, hopefully where it's, where it's getting to. You know, we've, we've been kind of dreaming of this for 10 years. So um, uh, it's, um, it's exciting to see that it's becoming a possibility at least. So, uh, but you're right. There's a ton of data out there, Zara, like you're talking about, that's just not, um, able to be used, and quite frankly, it's just frustrating, you know. For from a farmer's standpoint, it's like, yeah, I've got all this. I've wasted. I've spent time on it. I've wasted. I've I've spent money to get it. I've wasted time trying to analyze it myself. And at the end of the day, it's like, eh, you know, something's going to be different next year anyway. So, yeah, it, it's a that is that is a challenge, and and I'm sure that's only a challenge in agriculture, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's, what's really interesting, one parallel, I was working with um, smallholder farmers in East Africa who were looking at drip irrigation solutions. And so if you guys know East Africa, it's very, there's a lot of rain, but sometimes it doesn't rain. And so when it doesn't rain, you're really suffering. But the investment you make, you always look at your neighbors and you think, oh, they didn't invest in it and it rained and they, they're doing just as well as I am. Why did I make this investment? So it's very hard to know what will or won't change. And it's very hard to make someone make an investment and guarantee an outcome because, you, like you said, you, you can't really control all the variables. And it's the same thing with, you know, any kind of data, whether it's weather, whether it's, you know, satellite imagery. You don't really know if the payoff is going to be there. 
but it's it's almost like an assurance that when things go wrong, you you are covered and you see it before it's too late. No, very good. I was wondering in in the conversations that that you were able to have out there in Monterey at the conference, what what were some things that that maybe you didn't know before, or some things that you learned, or, or just some things that uh, um, surprised you? One of the most exciting conversations was similar to what you're saying, um, how everything that we talk about is innovation has been waiting for over a decade to be unlocked. I mean, these new cutting edge technologies are now finally making it possible, but the idea has been there. The ideas and the vision behind what you know Planet's customers and partners are trying to unlock has been around. And, and I remember one individual I spoke with, he said he'd built his own, you know, solution using drones and other types of imagery you know years ago and he was talking about even transporting data on floppy disks like this is way back when and that's exciting that's exciting and i know we're on the right path when we're still getting to the difficult um we're still uh, fighting at the difficult answers trying to figure out how, how do we make this all work together it's humbling to know that this is not something that just started a few years ago it's been for a while and and i think the excitement for me was meeting a group of people who were determined to change. You know, they've been doing this for a while and they know that it's not easy, but there was a certain just energy that people wanted to do something different. And and that's really inspiring. That's inspiring because it's easy to sit in a tech company and talk about change because we see an immediate impact because we see that we can update certain technology and we see the outcomes, but there's a trickle down effect when you want your customers to change their behavior. And to actually meet the end users and to see that they're just as, as excited as we are, that's really inspiring. I, I think majority of people out there don't want to change. And that's usually the people that we interact with is the ones who we have to convince. But I kind of felt like the, the users at Agamerge were, were more informed than, than many of us in, in the tech industry. So that was really, really exciting. Well, that's, that's a wonderful compliment. We appreciate it. Uh, and it is fun to get to work with that uh, group of people on a regular basis. We, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? So uh, uh, we, we definitely try to push each, push each other a little bit further every day. So it, it's it's a lot of fun to to make to make it happen. So now, what are we going to be looking back on in ten years, Zara? Saying, "Hey, I wish you know we would have had that then," or you know, "Gosh, it's taken you ten years to get get this to where it is." So let's uh, let's. Uh, fast forward here to the future, and and we're sitting here doing this podcast. Well, it probably it'll all be mind to mind telepathy or something like that. Who knows? In ten years, but uh, we're having a conversation. I guess we'll still have those in ten years. Um, and we're looking back. What do you think? Some of the things we'll be saying then that ah oh, gosh, it took ten years to get here. The things that I see in agriculture that seem very exciting. Uh, the work around robotics is really, really fascinating. I mean, what we're seeing happen on the farm to automate tasks that have been done manually for hundreds of thousands of years. I mean, it's, it's just crazy what, what we're seeing now. So I think the robotic side is really going to unlock a lot. And along with that, more visibility into to what types of what types of things we were doing without questioning. So I think a lot of the stuff that we were talking about um, at Ag Emerge around different practices before we would do things because it was always done that way. And I think with more data, we're going to be able to question our practices more rigorously. And I would imagine that there are certain things we do today that we look back and say, why the heck did we do that for so long? And I have some things off the top of my head, but um, I just think of this new movement with regenerative agriculture. I mean, it's flipping how we do things on its head and we don't have the data behind it right now, but we're slowly amassing that data. And I could see that with more information, we could we could make a case to change things faster than we could in the past. And the other thing I think that's really, really missing is, is connecting the different industries. I see a lot of silos, and it's really frustrating, and I'm seeing more and more a connection between inputs, banking, insurance. I mean, all this stuff is done in its different silos. I think in 10 years, it will be integrated. It will be, you know, you can go into one platform or one place and select all the different things you need and maybe even get it delivered to your farm. Who knows? But there's just a lot of silos right now. And finally, I'll, I'll talk about what we eat. I mean, 
I, again, I mentioned my Pakistani background. We ate stuff that was very, very traditional, and now it's becoming cool. Like, I saw a turmeric latte the other day. <sighs> I've been eating turmeric since I was a kid, and I was like, this stuff is good for you? Who knew? <laughs> but, like, these... The, the way we eat is changing at such a speed that I could imagine that um, who knows what we'll be eating in 10 years and, and the different, there's this whole thing about fake meat or, you know, plant-based meat that's coming out. I, imagine what's next. What's the next thing we'll be eating? Um, quinoa's getting out of out of fashion. Maybe it's teff, the Ethiopian grain. Who, who knows what they uncover next? But I think eating habits are going to change what we grow. And they're moving at a pace that was not, you know, even fathomable before. I, I was reading about, you know, Italy didn't have tomatoes before Columbus came, and now the whole world is eating tomatoes, and it's core to so many cuisines. Um, same thing with potatoes and and maize and other things that have spread all over the world. And those those changes are happening faster than ever before. And along those changing consumer habits, what we grow will have to change faster and faster. And when you look at it too, the role of imagery and those kind of things is. Let's say you've you've imaged Teff in Africa and you understand the conditions and somebody does want teff grain and that's the new hottest thing that everybody wants. Now all of a sudden you have a database of information on how to grow it, how it responds, how it reacts to within not only the imagery, but can connect it with another data stream, like you're saying of, of weather and, and, and soil conditions and all those kind of things. And now all of a sudden we can start scaling that at a very economical rate and in a very efficient rate right out the gate. So you know, let's say it's a crop you've never grown before, don't know anything about it, you can bring in these data streams of third-party information versus what Grandpa did and efficiently grow it at 95% efficient proficiency on the first year, right? So, I mean, that's what you're talking about is we have these massive swings in food choices because this is cool today, but it's not cool tomorrow. That's one way that this uh, data in the future can help farmers adapt quickly to, to different consumer trends. So... That's exciting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I, I also see consumers will start asking for more. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing it with these certifications and labels. But mm -hmm. it's, it's going to get to a point where people say, okay, this label is great, but prove it. And that demand for transparency is, is going to start to, I think, increase to a point where maybe the certification agencies themselves start competing. Right. And really from, let's say, an augmented reality device, you're going, you're, you're uh, shopping for food and it can show me an image uh, via planet of the, where that food was grown and exactly when and what its health score was throughout its growing cycle. And, and then you it's, can be it's like, amazing. Hmm, you know, hey, that, that nutritional density of that food is, is significantly better because of the growing practices in which it was produced. Uh, so, I mean, there, you know, that's another... That's another whole, well, 10 years we're going to have the follow-up on that one, Zara. Yeah, but, uh, well, not only that, but just having Aaron Vincent there speaking on blockchain in that same, um, you know, that same space of, you know, just kind of having you both there uh, and talking about those issues. These are just game changers, I think. And it starts with transparency, I, right? right? Because transparency is going to replace the label. And that's what you were just saying, Zara, right? The label has only gone so far. Most people don't trust labels today. But if you can have, you know, basically transparency all the way to where it was produced, then that label goes away. Yeah, I, I was reading the other day about Walmart's beef strategy. And, I mean, what we're seeing in the Amazon with forests being cleared to basically supply the corn and soy that goes into a lot of the livestock feed. I mean, the fact that a retailer is starting their own production line of, of animal protein, this is, I would never have thought of this. And it's coming because of consumer demand. People are not wanting to support things in other countries and people are taking more accountability for where they spend their dollar. I, I think a big question out there is, um, like you said, trusting the labels and seeing new ways that we can do certification rather than just an on-site visit. Um, we've been working with some organizations actually that we met at Ag Emerge around organic dairy certification. So, um, through the conference, we met folks who are involved in organic certification for dairy. We've been having conversations around how we can bring more data to that process and change it from, you know, a field visit every six months to year and maybe making a more regular process using maybe satellite imagery to be able to see whether the pasture and dry matter intake actually complies with what the requirements are. 
And these types of conversations, I mean, it's, it's really, really exciting that this came out of the conference because we knew this was exciting. We knew this is uh, possibly a product market fit. But when you meet someone in that setting and, and they're inspired to do something and it, it just really, it set us on a direction that I didn't think we expected going in. So that was a definite, um, who knows what kind of milk we'll be drinking in 10 years, but, um, but it's, it's very exciting that there's a lot more happening in the space. Oh, sure. Now talk to us a little bit in, in you know, when you're looking at the future, you're talking about agrobotics and, and that's definitely going to be a part of it because labor is less and less available and, and, and those kind of things. How do you see imagery and robotics automation interacting with each other? How do those, how do those, um, describe the synergies between those types of movements in technology right now? What we see right now is the, the key value for robotics is probably a lot higher resolution. So maybe on device sensors, those kind of IOT devices that you see just to prove where the, where the different unit should go. And we're seeing also some value where the robot itself can identify different varieties and identify what part of the growing cycle they're at. This is particularly important on the breeding side. We're also seeing that um, robots could be used to harvest certain crops. Um, we were talking about, particularly in the in the Central Valley, some of the specialty crops, because there, like you said, there's a lot of labor shortage there. And it's pretty complicated. Um, I was talking to one farmer about how do you harvest lettuce and how delicate the different crops can be and how a robot really is not very, um, it's not, it doesn't have a lot of dexterity and it's, it's, so I see that the imagery side could help show where the different uh, units should be throughout the field. And you would need different layers. Satellite could show you at a high level and then you have aerial, then you have drone and you would even have devices on the unit itself to show what specific area it should be looking at. Um, you guys have obviously heard of Blue River and what they're doing with the spray, not spray with different weeds. And what if you could look at a higher level of where even you know an autonomous vehicle should go? That, that's also very exciting. Mm -hmm. So it's really a, a one, one part of that data stream to put a multi-dimensional image in there to make the uh, robotics uh, be smarter in their operation, essentially. Exactly. There, it's not just one set of eyes that will make this um, system be really efficient, but having lots of different layers to help direct where different assets should be, where your you know different resources should be, whether you have people you're sending or um, equipment or uh, other parts of your operations. Where, where do you need to put the most resources is where other different types of imagery could help. Excellent. And then another point that you made there was in the regenerative ag space. And obviously, we're, we're passionate about that. But the, the consumer is becoming more aware of, of regenerative agriculture benefits to, you know, human health, environmental health, animal health, those, and soil health. Where do you see, how, do, how does Planet participate in, in those kind of uh, things? Or have, have you thought more about that, Zara? Or, or how, how, does, how does imagery become a part of that equation, too? It's, it's similar to what we're doing with other parts of agriculture where we need to find the partners and the companies that are willing to do something about it. And what's really exciting, you guys have read in the news about, you know, organizations like General Mills or Patagonia, they're making big commitments. So, you know, millions of acres. So how do you measure and verify that what these companies are committing to is being done in the field? Is it, you know, whether it comes to no-till or cover crops, could we measure that with satellite? Could we now feed that back in and maybe support this kind of verification process that we're seeing develop? What, what our best go-to-market strategy would be finding the companies that want to do something and helping them prove that they're doing it. That's where we see the big uptick. And if we can measure outcomes, our data could possibly be helpful to even you know, move the needle in terms of farmer adoption and, and prove that what programs are out there should be scaled. You know, we're reading about a couple that help you reduce your risk when you're converting to different types or you're in, taking on different types of agricultural practices. There's a couple I read about the other day, um, specifically in this area, like conservation innovation grants or environmental quality incentive programs from the USDA. With enough data, you could make the case for government to put more. You can make the case for financial institutions to allow for, you know, these three-year flexible loans that allow you to convert from different types of conventional practices to maybe more unconventional. 
So we see an overall ecosystem approach, but working with organizations that provide the funding and organizations that provide the validation, I think is the key to planet making a difference. Very good, very good. Kim, anything else you wanted to bring up? And I'm, I'm gonna leave one open-ended question for Zara when we're, when we're finished here. No, I, I'm just, uh, I just love to see the connectivity of each of these pieces um, as we look at how we can utilize this data across just a, a, such a range of um, layers. And so I'm just excited to see how that's all going to come together. So, Zara, what what is probably one of the things I should have asked and I didn't or uh, other, other ideas that, that you've had that we haven't brought up here today before we before we part ways? A closing remark. Um, I would say the key to Planet and other companies that are providing data to being successful is to really listen. And there's a certain humility that you have to have to know that you could have the best technology and you could have the best engineers that are developing, you know, something that's never been available before. But until you have the humility to listen to why people may not want to adopt, to why people may not trust, to why they might be hesitant to try something new and risk their you know, family's livelihood. We have to listen. And I, I think, again, um, channels like the Ag Emerge Conference allowed us to access people in a very authentic way, to, to hear firsthand what types of uh, you know, mindset changes are required to, to actually do something different. It's very easy for us to make a new data set and expect the market to take it up and be really excited. but you know, it, there's a leap of faith that we need to take with our partners and with the end users and, and listening and, and going in together and, and really reiterating why we think there's a need for change is important because there's things we could do maybe at the adoption phase that we need to start thinking about. Maybe it's not enough just to have the new data and the new insights, but we need to maybe make different grants or different support networks that allow people to to know that we're all in it together because if, if we're not making more money for the farmer then all of this is not going to make us it's, it doesn't make sense the economics have to work for the farmer and to do that we have to listen and so that, that's kind of my closing remark i'd say every story is going to be different every individual every region every country i mean it's it's a whole different story when you go to different areas but we've got to find ways that we are working with the right partners who know how to listen that is excellent. There needs to be far more listening today and far less talking sometimes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's that's uh, it's great. And I really appreciate, you know, we, we I have an opportunity in my different roles that I, I get to interact with ag tech companies. And honestly, Zara, uh, really kudos to Planet and what, what you guys are doing as far as really do, you are listening and and. Your your attitude throughout your organization, I can tell, is is that of listening and humility. Um, so so many other ag tech companies say, "Here, we've got the solution. Uh, you know, you should know about that problem." And um, or they're just a solution, sometimes looking for a problem. And and what I appreciate is is how uh, you you approach your customers in the marketplace. And uh, thank you, thank you for that, and thank you for all that you're doing there. Thank you guys for including us and showing us the way. It's, we're all in it together. We've got, we've got to find out something's got to work because uh, we don't have time to keep, to keep waiting. Excellent. Well, thank you, Zara. I'm sure glad you could join us today. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Monty. Well, Monty, that was exciting. And you can learn about Planet by visiting planet.com to see more of what they're working on. The thing that I'm excited about is that you know, in my previous life, we did a lot of data gathering and people used to go through a lot of pain points to gather that information. And I always told them as we were putting the data together, I said, you know, you're going to hate me for the first year because this is a pain. Uh, but when we start reporting out, it's exciting when you can poke a button and get information. Well, that's been, you know, 30 years ago. Now we're looking at real-time data valuable and partners that are taking that data and getting information into their hands in such a timely way. I just think that's super exciting. And I, I really appreciated what Zara was talking about as far as silos and, you know, everything working together. They're creating a data stream that shows us what happened, but they don't know what to correlate it to. So she mentioned how it was important to have the management input 
you know, what was done on what day and what seed selections and, and those kind of things, along with the, you know, weather stream and other types of things going on there to, to come up with an idea of what caused what we see. So I, I think while they create a, you know, an excellent stream, we still have a long ways to go, uh, you know, to yes. get all the information in there in order to be able to make better correlations and, and understand causations in order to um, really take full advantage of it. But it, it's neat to see that they're out there and they're, they're willing to listen and, mm-hmm. and figure out what does it take for people to get the full value out of what they provide. Mm-hmm, for sure. And, you know, we talk a lot about systems approach to soil health and, and those type of things, but the system extends beyond the field. It extends to financing. It extends to getting your banker involved or a landowner or those type of things. And so the system is bigger than just what's happening on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a piece that this plays to as well. I agree. And it, it's part of the system, right? It's a feedback loop right. of the system performance. Something else that, that, that stood out to me a little bit was how they talked about their iterate you know, test and iterate, just constantly, rather than wait to design the, the penultimate, then finally release it. Like many technology companies, they come up with version one, which is okay, and it works, but version two is a little better, right? And mm-hmm. then version three is even better, Yes. and, and the way they go. And I, I think that was really interesting how she talks about Planet being an iterative company. And it made me think for us as farmers, you know, so often we get information. And we just absorb, absorb, absorb. And maybe even somebody who's in the pickup truck right now listening to this, Mm -hmm. absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. But the key is is you have to do, right? You have to try something new. You have to do something new. You know, look at imagery. Look at artificial intelligence. uh, Look at robotics. Look at, you know, look into regenerative agriculture. But most importantly, take action on it. Do something with it. You Mm -hmm. know, look into what, technology or different farming practices can can make happen and and we're here to help you do that and guide you along the way but you're the person has to take that first step and and make it happen because iteration won't won't happen unless you unless you do something yes absolutely and the great thing about the technology that's available today is they're they're creating a product um, with their satellites that is, I, I don't even know the, the cost comparison, but compared to what an old satellite costs. So they're able to make those changes rapidly and make those adaptations. And so because of that, y'all are able to take advantage of that data. And as it changes, they're not so locked into an old technology that they can't mm-hmm. update and get that to you quickly, mm-hmm. and that's really... Yeah, they're not afraid to change. No. And really, as farmers, we shouldn't be afraid to change either. Right. We, we need to have that open-mindedness, that humility, really, the willingness to listen, learn, and do something different. That that really is humility. Keep doing the same thing we've done because we've always done it, or dad or grandfather's always done it that way. That's a lot of pride, and it holds us back, but it's also... Uh, will will cause our demise if we, we keep doing the same thing we've always done. So I, I would encourage everybody to think differently for this crop season. Try something new. You have to try at least one thing new somewhere. I don't, I don't care what it is, whether it's an input product, whether it's a management practice, whether it's a data product, something. Try at least one thing new. Uh, pause for three minutes, like, like Holly Green would tell us, just to think only about something I would like to try this year on my farm. And if you need a, a list of suggestions, we'll provide one to you, which you may not like, right? So you're better off choosing your own one. No. <laughs> I'll tell you, you'll need to start grazing cattle. So, you know, that'll make everybody come up with their own, right? Yeah. But uh, anyway, it's, um, uh, I, I think you need to just take pause and, and reflect about what am I going to iterate this year? What am I going to try and test? And if it doesn't matter if it succeeds or fails. Right. Because failure is learning. You learned what doesn't work. Yes. And if it and if it works, uh, then you learn how to make it even better the next time. So, no matter what that is, a soil health practice, a management practice, a new tool, you you got to uh, take that risk and and do it so that you're better and better every year. Absolutely, and I think if 
this is a shameless plug, but if you listen to what Zara said about what they were listening to from the farmers that were there at Aggie Merge, that was valuable information. So if you're looking for a way to connect with the change makers in agriculture, Aggie Merge is a great place to do it. Um, and that's exciting. And every, well, I say every year, we've had two years where that's how exciting it is. But um, each each event, we get an opportunity to connect these entrepreneurs and thought leaders with you as a farmer. And it's exciting. And people are listening to what you want and what you're looking for. So we'll encourage you to mark your calendars to save the date for January 5th through the 7th in Monterey, California. It's getting exciting. We've had a lot of great conversations from it. And we're going to be bringing you more of those conversations here on the Aggie Merge podcast. So, Monty, it's been a good day. Yeah, and I love hearing that feedback from them that it was valuable, gave them new insights, new opportunities, and things to think about because there's great talent in the ag tech world. I think if we help them discover new ways like they're, they're talking about on organic certification, you know, uh, we connected someone there that they hadn't thought of before. So, hey, mission accomplished that we wanted to. And, uh, you know, you could be part of that accomplished mission here next year. So, anyway, thank you for listening today. And if you have any questions, always reach out to us. And we're excited that you tuned in to this edition of the Ag Emerge Podcast.